Hello, everybody. Welcome to Threepcast, episode six. I'm Elliot. I'm Anton. Sometimes I'm Alex. Today I am Alex. Good. So yes, that's Alex. <laughs> Today, <laughs> on this on this sixth episode, or as I like to call it, episode Delta Six, a we're going to be reviewing the film noir. Uh, well, I guess it's not really film. The noir uh, sci-fi adventure game shoot 'em up adventure Gemini Rue. Space. <laughs> That's the worst epic. intro ever. Space epic. Space epic. And um, yeah, that's going to be what we talk about this time. Uh, yeah. But first, let's catch up with everyone and find out how everybody's month has been. Da-da. Anton, how was your month? Well, as a matter of fact, my month was quite busy because <laughs> I went back to school and that was sad. I also played here lots of Monster Hunter and uh, 999, which was an experience. <laughs> Suffice it to say. And we, we're going to be reviewing 999 on a future episode, right? Yes, yes. At, at Phil's behest, we will um, we'll tangle with 999 <laughs> at a point in the future. I'm trying not I'm, to I'm say anything. I'm looking forward to it. Oh gosh, that game. Oh gosh. Ahem. You just, Anton, you gotta bottle up all the opinions I, uh, until we do the I am. There will be like vintage opinions by, by whenever we get around to it. <laughs> uh, uh, f- f- fine, uh, Finally fine aged. <laughs> well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. mostly been what I've been up to. What? Uh, Alex, finally what aging their opinions? Yes, and 999. Alex, what have you been up to? Oh, well, I have only been playing Blizzard games for the past two months. <laughs> okay, that's that's it's a uh, commitment. Yeah, it's solidarity. No. I don't solid have a... dedication to Blizzard. Well, it's like it's like a vortex because once you get in, it, it sucks you in even further. Exactly. They're like, if you play our other game, then you get stuff in this other game. Mm-hmm. And each game you... has prizes that feed into each of the other games, so exactly. then you're like, oh, I should I should get this game so I can get the stuff that I've already earned. And then you start liking the game you got so you can get mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. other things for the other games. It's, it's all part of the Blizzard cinematic universe. Exactly. It's the they game hooked together. The game matic universe. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yes. that's cool. How yeah. many, Alex, how many Blizzard games do you own? Uh, all of them except Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> so does uh to be fair they have uh two of them are free well you own all the current ones they're all of their yeah. past catalog that you don't have yeah i need to get all the <laughs> all the dumb like, ones you got the three diablo games and then you got the two oh. warcraft games and then the warcraft expansion so and the expansion for diablo 2 is is Heroes of the Storm the Avengers of this gamematic universe? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Good. So, Ellie, well, what have you been up to? Well, uh, this month has been pretty busy. Um, I started my new job, which I can't tell you about because <laughs> it's classified. I mean, it's not te- it's not technically classified, but it's, a it's building stuff that they don't want me. Ever wondered about. what happened to Elvis? Ellie knows. <laughs> yes, Elvis and Jimmy Hoffa, JFK. Mm-hmm. That's all my job right now. Roswell. 
Roswell. You are in know. New Mexico. I feel like Roswell is probably the most likely, or Elvis. Right. I don't know. I can't say. <laughs> Roswellvis. Uh, <laughs> Roswellvis. And um, uh, in my spare time, I've been working on the latest episode of our Earthbound uh, film series, which what I, ca- I like to call is in lockdown mode right now because <laughs> I'm so close to the end of editing this episode that I'm like pouring all of my free time into just editing. Well, I mean, apart from like recording the podcast right now, but I'm pouring all most of my spare time into editing this episode so we can get it out the door in a timely fashion because yes. I got, I have, it has been too long since I've gotten any when is the next episode coming out comments <laughs> and I got to get some more. We're losing so. we're losing motivation, guys. Come on. Step it up. <laughs> Ever wondered what happened to Silent Hills? <gasps> Ellie knows. Dun, 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 dun. So, yes. Yes, new job working on Earthbound. That's been my and, month. And PT hiding it. Mm-hmm. PT. <laughs> I have not played PT. PT or you can't, you, you can't play PT anymore. They removed Ay- it from the store. <laughs> this is true. I did. It's sad. It's I a did piece go of gaming to, history. I mm-hmm. went to a uh, a vintage uh, video game store here in Albuquerque and picked up a couple of old Ooh. Super Nintendo games that I'd never played before. Mm-hmm. I got this puzzle game called Kablooey <laughs> that I bought simply because of the name. That's a wise choice. A wise It's very decision. weird. Um... Do you guys remember Charlie's Blast Territory for the yes, Nintendo 64? I do. It's a lot like that. Huh. Because it's like you're this little man and you're on an island out in the middle of nowhere and you have to strategically detonate these bombs without blowing yourself up. Uh, so That's a strange resemblance. So it's like it Dig, may... Dig Dug 2. I haven't played Dig Dug 2. Dig, that's, that sounds like Dig Dug 2. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So maybe they're all just ripping off Dig Dug 2. All everyone rips off Dig Dug 2. It is this the, podcast is just a rip off oh, of Dig Dug 2. It's the prototypical electronic um <laughs> something. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you gave up all your head. It's true. You admitted defeat, you know. <laughs> I can respect that. So, so let's talk about adventure game news. Yeah. So, summarizing the month of August in adventure games, clearly the big news is that they are currently giving away, as we are recording this, they are currently giving away special edition Day of the Tentacle posters at PAX Prime. Tim Schaefer, if you are listening to this podcast, please... (laughs) send us send us some posters we want posters (laughs) please i i hope that they make them available after packs but my gut feeling is that they probably won't yeah i've been trying to recruit people who are at packs right now to go get posters for us but it has not been going very well la has connections i have (laughs) connections thanks to my new job (laughs) yes (laughs) no or do you or do i can't say schaefer more like tim space and What is that even? <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep on going. <laughs> so, um, obviously, like, 
I think that for like every episode that we record until Day of the Tentacle comes out, that we're gonna be like <laughs> talking about scarfing it. up whatever scraps of like Day of the Tentacle Basically. news. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's been so long since anything new Day of the Tentacle has come out. Like the game has never been yeah. released, and it's like you know this is the first tangible piece of evidence that there's going to be a new uh, special edition, and it's it's very exciting. Yes. Uh-huh. This um, is true. I would be surprised so if they don't have some merch, though, that's just sold on their store. I hope so. I've got my fingers crossed that they, like, make action figures or something, like what they did for Psychonauts. Yes. Mm-hmm. How cool would it be to... Or, like, like the uh, the Sam and Max statue or the, the Guy Bursch and LeChuck statue. Yeah. How cool would that be? That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, so, 100 cool. I agree. Tim, if you're listening to this, because we know that you're an avid listener of this podcast, mm-hmm. make it happen. Get that, one of our get that dot merchandise out there. Just, just do it. Just, we just do it. Hey, Threepers, do you have a spare Dave's the Tentacle poster? <laughs> and you just don't know what to do with it? Well, I know what to do with it. So give Send it, it to, to me. Us. <laughs> then we had like a million posters in the mail, and we sell them all on eBay. All the money. Yes, for making so that we can we can collect up enough money to buy a Day of the Tentacle triangle box. Yes, that's the ultimate goal. That's oh. the that's the real goal. They should print up a new triangle box for the new game. It would be so good. <laughs> It'd be yes, beautiful. I would I would buy it. Would you? Um, how, how much money would you be willing to spend to get on a triangle box? How much yeah, are they? A couple hundred dollars. Mm. It's just a triangle box, man. It's rare. But it's the Day of the Tentacle Triangle Box. That's true. I can respect that. So in related news, uh, related <laughs> to like LucasArts games and stuff, uh, Ron Gilbert and his um, companions have released a new Thimbleweed Park trailer. Yay. For those who don't know, Thimbleweed Park is the uh, Kickstarter adventure game that Ron Gilbert and I think Gary Winnick was involved too. Mm. Um it's a new game that they're making in the style of the oldest LucasArts games like Maniac Mansion, Zack McCracken. And they were mm-hmm. saying that yeah. their goal with this was to make a game that you could feel like you discovered in a dusty old desk drawer as an undiscovered LucasArts classic. So yes. I'm pretty excited about this, that they're making a game with that type of graphics and uh, that kind of like puzzle sensibility. Mm-hmm. So we can uh, play the audio for the new trailer. So what what do you guys think of this this upcoming masterpiece in the making? Well, here's my problem with it. So you you just told the the fine viewers at home that the people making this <laughs> game are they're trying to make a an old timey Lucas Arts game that could supposedly yeah. be an old game that came out in the same time period. Yes. Right. But they're putting all these like new effects on it. Like the colors are all too colorful. This- yeah, it's it's not actually an old game. It's it's like I mean, it's clear it... they're going for like the 256 color palette, and they're you know doing some other fancy things like parallax scrolling mm-hmm. and whatnot. But 
I mean, it's it's kind of that sensibility of games from that time, I guess. Right. I, it's, like it. I think most retro games today don't really go for like a hundred percent retro accuracy. They're mostly interested in just having this sort of visual style. They don't worry about things like whether all the pixels line up between all the characters or things scale the way they would have. Right. It's like, because when you're working at a high resolution with pixely images, then it doesn't look right. And it's very hard to actually make it look like 100% accurate to the original hardware stuff. Mm -hmm. So that kind of makes sense, I guess. But I, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like a, like an interesting kind of blend of like yeah. Maniac Mansion with like a little bit of Twin Peaks thrown in there and mm-hmm. X other things, X Files stuff like that. Plus, after the cave, I'm very hyped for more more Ron Gilbert adventures. Ron Gilbert is really good with like coming up with really cool concepts. For yeah. Games. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what they what they come up with. I'm I mean, I've got I've, I've got a soft spot in my heart for like all those like really old, like the earliest Lucas Arts games. Yes. So, mm-hmm. anywho, looking forward to that. So I'm probably just park. too cranky. And to uh, it. what? I'm probably just too cranky. <laughs> I understand your concerns. <laughs> we will have to see. We'll have to do an episode about it when it comes Only out. Only time will tell. Yes, I'm. I'm very hyped. Um kind of going off of that another kickstarter that um is in the, was in the news recently uh was uh, the 13th doll which uh. you've not heard of this is a fan-made sequel to the seventh guest and you might be asking yourself hey how does a fan game get funded on kickstarter and this is actually kind of interesting because <laughs> <laughs> um, i was gonna say before you before you answer that question i was wondering what is the what is this game series that you're talking oh, about? Oh, okay. So, yeah, backing up a bit. The Seventh Guest was a, a uh, an FMV game that came out in, like, 92 or 93 or something like that. It was one of the first games like that, like one of those first-person Myst-style games. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, you know, it made a little bit of a splash, I think. I've never played it, honestly, but, um, you know, it's fairly famous. And uh, they never... Did they make any sequels officially for this? I don't think so. I don't know. I so anyway, with this with this game, the fans decided to take matters into their own hands and uh, make a fan game sequel. And I don't know how they did it, but uh, they got officially sanctioned by the original creators of the game. And they were like, you know, hey, go ahead and make this. And so they, they were able to get it funded on Kickstarter and everything. So it's going to be a legit full sequel to The Seventh Guest made by fans, which is, yes. you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Are, are they actually going to help or are they just saying you can do it? I think that they just gave them permission to do it. I don't think yeah. that they're actually going to help them. I mean, that's why they're going to Kickstarter to right. get the funding for it. Mm-hmm. So that looks cool. Um, I'm I'm interested in maybe checking that out. I'm a there fan of many FMB. adventure games coming out. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like if we actually tried to review like all the new stuff coming out, that we'd have such a backlog. No, it's true. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's all I got for news. You guys got anything? No, I don't know. Mm. Nothing really. I feel like I did, but now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> oh well. well. Can I give you news that's not related to adventure games at all? No, save that. No. Save that for like Alex end. Cast. Alex <laughs> Cast. Uh-huh. I was gonna say like. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we're going to jump straight. In. We didn't get any uh, comments or feedback for this month, so. Hey guys, if you're listening, send us your stuff because we like hearing from people who are tuning in. 
even if it's just like adjectives, a long string of adjectives <laughs> that describe <laughs> something, you should send us your adjectives. Send yes. us your adjectives. Send us your adjectives to podcast at ridgewayfilms.com. If you send a lot of adjectives, I'll personally read them. <laughs> oh gosh, that would be great. <laughs> the, the new gimmick. Uh, Alex, Alex Al- Adjectives with Alex. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it. Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> um, so yes, we are going to be reviewing Gemini Rue for this yes. episode. Yes. And um, yeah... I, I think I should bring up at this point in the podcast. You may notice that Phil is absent. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he's not around to judge anybody for reading straight off of Wikipedia hey, for hey, getting their hey. getting their fact fix. <laughs> so I'm plus like the so I'll, t- I'll take his place. Ellie, what are we doing? Okay. Good. 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 Oh, I feel so judged right now. Oh. Get judged. Anyway. <clears throat> So I'm okay. going to read the Gemini Rue Wikipedia article to get some background on this game. Go, go, and, I mean, go, it's really go. short. So mm-hmm. we can do the 90-second timer if you want, but it's definitely going to be under 90 seconds. Okay. Are we doing it? Yes. You should get that double dare sound. You know that one. I, I don't think we've done hey, that before. Hey, I think we talked about this last time. What? What? <laughs> okay, go. Okay, ready? What last are you, time? Are you actually timing me? Hmm? Oh, you're, I can <laughs> I lost my timer. Never mind. You should just go ahead and go. Alright, I'll just read it. Okay. Gemini Rue is a cyberpunk graphic adventure game made by Joshua Nuremberger and published by Wadget Eye Games. Uh, the char- the player controls a character to explore their local environment, blah, blah, blah. Um, an additional feature above most graphic adventure games is a limited gunplay control scheme where the player can control their character to shoot and aim from behind cover. The character Azrael possesses a communicator device that lets him call other characters or look up information on terminals via a limited text interface. At certain times, the player is able to switch between two characters located in different areas of the game world, proceeding through each of these stories separately until they reach a common story. The game was very well received by game critics, with praise singled out for its compelling storyline and retro graphics. It is considered an impressive example of the point-and-click adventure game genre, which has had a recent renaissance after being in decline for around a decade. The sequences involving combat, however, were criticized for their stiff controls and an action-oriented tone inconsistent with the rest of the game. Uh, IGN wrote, If only more AAA games turned out this well, with, for the most part, seamless, intuitive gameplay, impressive atmosphere, and one of the most well-crafted and interesting storylines seen in recent years, Gemini Rue is a game not only just for adventure fans, but for anyone who loves a good, gritty yarn. And it looks like it won some awards on a couple of websites. Uh, GameSpy gave it Adventure Game of the Year in 2011. Uh, PC Gamer US gave it the same award, and Adventure Gamers gave it Best Story and Best Independent Adventure Game of the Year. So, Here you this go. game has got some accolades. That was just about 90 seconds. <laughs> that... <laughs> Question, does I have any of those? I gotta, uh... Now i got to decide if I should put the countdown music in there or not. <laughs> just like the bo- because that won so many awards, does the box have one of those like Olympic... Uh, oh, it's, it's those, little, lo- those little laurel yes. leaves? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it does. I don't think there's, there's a box. box. I doubt there's a box for it. I think it's just digital. Yeah, that's Do they have digital like cover demo. art. Yeah, I don't know. They seem pretty modest about it. I didn't realize this game was a big deal when I started playing it. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's very uh, it's very it's yeah. Everybody's been really positive about it everywhere I've seen. Mm-hmm. 
And I actually, like I'd never I even heard of it before. Yeah, I, I know. You brought it up last month. Is like we should review this game. Yeah, I, I it wasn't until like a recent good old game sale that I became aware of like Wajedai games at all. But they have a really big, like, impressive backlog of games. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> so, um, one thing we're gonna try to do with this episode when we now that we're jumping into the actual review of the game. Um, in, in previous episodes, we've been kind of loose about uh, game spoilers, mm-hmm. just generally speaking, because, you know, by and large, we've been doing, like, games that have been lauded as classics. If you care about Day of the Tentacle spoilers, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Well, it's, well, out, like games it's that... out of print. No one knows how to play it. Really? Because <laughs> piracy isn't a thing. That doesn't exist. Are you a pirate? If so, pirate some stuff for me. Yo ho ho. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway we've been, so uh, avoiding spoilers. We've been we've been reviewing like mostly like well-known games that we've assumed that everybody's played. So this will be kind of our first time venturing off into a, a lesser-known game that uh, we played specifically for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna try to split the review into two halves. We're gonna talk about the game generally, mm-hmm. and then um, for the second half, we're gonna go into uh, spoilery territory where we talk about specific puzzles and specific story twists. So if you haven't played Gemini Rue and you're interested in not having everything spoiled, we'll give you a warning on when to stop listening. And, yeah, so that's dun, that. Dun, dun. Uh, Anton, do you want to start, since you were the one who kind of oh. introduced us to this game? Okay. So I like this game a whole lot. I thought it was really great. I... What do you like best about it? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's like it's like you were talking about it with the what the reviewers thought, I guess. But the story seemed very, uh, very gripping. It's like it gets mm. it gets you invested. Lots of interesting locations and interesting characters, and kind of not not long enough that you get bored, but not short enough that you don't have time to develop stuff. Right. So it's just kind of mm-hmm. cool overall. The puzzle design was by and large really well done. I most mostly I didn't feel like there were any unfair puzzles. And a lot of them were really organic, I guess. It's like where a lot of adventure games kind of get caught up in doing a sort of like in doing adventure game tropey things. Like it's like pick right. up, pick up all the items that you can pick up, and then use everything with everything until something happens. It's like this mm. seems more like you're behaving the way a normal person would behave, and you you may <laughs> there may be things you can pick up that you don't need or. Something yeah, like that. You're like you don't no, you don't need items to do stuff. You just need to interact with it in a common sense sort of way. Yeah, there's right. no part where you have to use a rubber chicken on a thing so you can mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sail across. Right, exactly. It's very very down to earth, even Monkey though it's a sci-fi. <laughs> Those are great puzzles, though. Anyway, <laughs> so it's, wait, hey, Alex, if whoa. you wanted to say something about Monkey Island one, hey. that was like five episodes ago. Was it, Alex? Yes. Monkey oh. Island hate is not allowed on Threepcast. <laughs> not allowed. Anymore? Yeah, you be hating on Monkey Island. I'm gonna kick you from the Skype call. Two, two more, stri- two more strikes, and you're out, Bo. <laughs> don't let the people know we're on Skype. Oh. <laughs> we use professional VoIP Voice- servers. VoIP software. <laughs> VoIP. Um. Anyway, so I like the puzzles. I like the game design. Voices were pretty good, although some of them sounded kind of goofy. Uh, yeah. And like, like goofy as in that's weird or goofy as like, in like the, the, the Disney character no well I mean that's arguable but I think it's mostly just kind of weird like there are two scientists in the intro cutscene who talk like oh well, what, what should we do about this guy 
Do we have to erase his memory? It was just like sounds really awkward and stilted. And the, I think that's yeah. true about a lot of the supporting cast in the game. But fortunately, like the main characters that you play are not so annoying. Azrael has a really cool voice, and I don't know why. <laughs> Is he like one of those guys you just want to hang out with because he's got yeah? A he cool just seems voice. like a cool guy. That's that's pretty important, I think, for adventure games is that to make the main character right. likable so you can relate with them. Right. Yeah, but the mystery of the game was very compelling, and I, I really enjoyed it all mm. the way through. Um, I think that's mostly all of the broadly broad impressions I had. My broadly okay, impressions. Okay. Cool. Uh, Alex, did you want to say something? Like uh, Alex has not actually played the game, but he did a little bit of research on it before um, coming all, on to host this episode. All the things I have to say kind of relate to the end and stuff, so I'll, oh. I'll save my opinions for later. <laughs> okay. So um, just just as a quick thing, if you are not an Eskimo trapped in the vortex of Blizzard, would you play this uh, game? <laughs> would you give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down? Oh, you mean like how does this game compare to other games? Yes. Well, like if you if you had time to play it. <laughs> Would you play it, and would you recommend it? Probably. <laughs> oh, man. Dun, 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 dun. I, I would say it's probably Qualified praise from Alex. Ding. I mean, like, why wouldn't <laughs> why wouldn't you play it? I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, a, a, a Caesar execu- glad- gladiator execution thing. Like, do you give it the thumbs up, or do you feed it to the lions? G- uh, given the, the research you've done. I'm tempted just to say feed it to the lions. It would be <laughs> funny, but I actually think it's a good game. Okay. I like it. Dun, dun. Okay. So, um, my thoughts pretty much largely line up with yours. Um, I do lo- really like the way they approach the puzzles in this. I like that um, a lot of it is based on your own reasoning. Mm-hmm. Like, especially mm-hmm. in the Azrael half of the game, like yeah. a lot of the time, you're given a goal, as, you know, in, in your, your your private detective sort of role, mm-hmm. and it's pretty clear, like. If you're just sitting there thinking about it, what I need to go do this, I need to go talk to this person, or I need to go look up this piece of information, you do a lot of sleuthing, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's all it all flows very naturally for the most part, and um, I really enjoyed that. Like you said, you're not just picking up thirty items and trying to see what you can use on them. Right. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of the time, it was pretty like clear what you needed to do, but at the same time, it didn't feel like you're having like a bunch of like game hand holding going on. Yeah, and like like you're constantly going through tutorial section, I guess, where the game's like, oh, now you need to go do this. Now you need to go do this. Mm-hmm. Like they left a lot of it up to you to figure out, and I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um. The uh the the gunplay sections I thought were a nice uh, change of pace mm. from uh what you'd expect in an adventure game. Like normally I'm against uh arcade action sequences put into adventure games, but in this case I felt like the the way they worked the mechanics of you know, having to jump out from behind your cover and, like, prepare your headshot, you know, attacks. Like, I thought that was all uh, very, like, nicely integrated and didn't feel intrusive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it added a, a lot of tension, too, that you don't normally see in adventure games, but without, right. like, disrupting it too badly. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it added to the tension in the story rather than, like, dropping it and making you think... Oh no! I have to stop and do this arcade sequence before I can get back to the action. <laughs> like, like the shootout scene in Freddy Farkas. Like that's just totally random, oh. and you can just skip over <laughs> it and you lose nothing. 
I, I never well, liked that. Okay, yes, I I didn't think of that. I was actually gonna say it's like the uh, the fights in Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Uh, like for the, those, for the most part, kind of help keep the tension rolling, except for like in Atlantis where you can just run away from every fight. Yeah. But that's beside the point. Well, um, but those fights are a little bit throwaway, right? It's like kind of just like you. Yeah, you could always sucker punch your way out. I think that there is a way to adjust the difficulty in this so that if you really hated the gunfights, yeah, you could just so crank it down and skip past it. But I, I enjoyed them, actually. I thought that they were fun. Yeah, and they all fit into the like, story really naturally. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, all the voice acting was pretty good for the most part. The main characters were definitely the best. Um, like, some of the voice acting, it kind of sounded like, you know... Mm-hmm. game designer's brother who came in from his day off on work to do a voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Or it's like, my uncle is a professional voice actor. Read these lines with no context or something. Yeah, right. Like, a lot of the characters just sounded kind of sedate. Mm-hmm. Not, didn't, weren't really, like, they didn't sound like they were emoting a lot. Yeah. Like, I didn't really, like, buy them as characters. I guess the person I'm thinking of in particular is the Boreo Kuden, uh, leader mm. guy that you go into his office and talk to him mm-hmm. he just sounded kind of like was he dead. supposed to be was he supposed to be <laughs> well, dead i don't know i mean that's kind of his character but it it, it came off as like <laughs> this person is child. reading lines and he uh-huh. doesn't really care right you, you'd expect him to be slightly more menacing for a mob boss leader right are, are we right, getting spoiler right. territory just I no don't know. not really he's just a character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. we can talk about specific things oh the, um, the help counter guy like that you see at the first of the game his his voice is the only one that outright irritated me I think who? the, the guy who's running the little oh, shop oh the guy in the apartment building? no well the first oh, guy you oh, see oh the shopkeeper the shopkeeper guy next to the hobo yeah yeah that's that's the other why. guy that annoyed me he was just he, that's that's what I'm talking about he was too sedate and mm-hmm. like didn't really hey man if you're listening to this podcast whoever voiced the shopkeeper what sorry <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we should switch was... topics. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh. So I didn't think of this earlier, oh. but I did enjoy. You know how adventure some adventure games have puzzles, like in Monkey Island Two, where you've got the card catalog, where it just dwarfs you with so much information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like you're picking out a needle in a haystack, but if you know what you're looking right. for, you can go there. I always enjoy those, right. and they had those like with the apartment buildings where they had so many rooms, and you had to know where you're. Oh going. yeah, right. Those are always I, I like very that too. Because to right, they feel very natural. Yeah, and that's kind of going back to the whole thing of like it leaves you to figure stuff out yeah. rather than saying like go click on this object. It's like. Oh, they're in room two A, so you have to go find it yourself. Right, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like you could you could potentially get lost in this building. It's like, it lets you kind of go explore everywhere. It makes the world feel more real, and they did it a lot more in older adventure games. It seems like, and then as adventure games got newer, they got kind of, I guess, in pursuit of like tighter game design, they threw away some of the world building detail stuff mm. that I kind of enjoyed. Right. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, so it's pretty um, sweet. I do want to say, um, for calling Kane on the phone, your ship pilot guy, I th- I feel like that was supposed to be like a built-in hint system, but he was mm. never very helpful whenever I called him on the phone and I was like, yeah. Kane, I need help with this. And then he, he would just respond with, well, try talking to everybody and following <laughs> uh-huh. up all those leads. That's fair. <laughs> but it was so cool to hear him be like, Kane. 
because Kane is a cool name and Asriel has a cool voice, so it's just the best. Yeah. So yeah, those those guys were cool. I liked Kane. Um, what else? Yeah. Overall, I I really enjoyed this game. Like. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. Oh, okay. So if <laughs> if we were gonna go into negatives for a second, um, like a tiny little niggling point that bothered me with this is that there are some graphical issues with it that mm. kind of took me out of the whole. Oh, this is a retro 1990s graphic adventure game. Yeah. And kind of, like, bothered me. Um, specifically, any apartment building I would go into, it seems like <laughs> there would be issues with sprites floating off yes, the screen and getting this. in front where they shouldn't be. <laughs> so, specifically, you go into the first the first apartment building in the game, and the guy behind the counter, for whatever reason, he's way in the background of the, of the, uh, the environment. But like if you're if Azrael walks in front of him, the guy behind the counter will appear in front of him on the screen. And it was really weird. And this happened with a couple of other things. Like in the other apartment building there were some like little pieces of paper on the counter that would like mm -hmm. appear in front of Azrael. And that really bugged me. I have to um, wonder like why like because it's obviously it happened to you and it happened to me, so I know it's not just me. But mm -hmm. I guess they didn't encounter this during playtesting. So it's kind of strange to me that this is just yeah. in the game. Like I don't, I don't know. Like maybe thing. it's like a like the, the engine they used is called Adventure Game Studio, which is normally made for uh, for making like low budget fan games. You know, not not mm -hmm. professional games like this. So I, I'm wondering if it's just a bug with the engine that they were, oh yeah they didn't anticipate on like every resolution, every machine. Right. Like they set it to appear know. behind everything, and instead it went put it in front of everything or something like that. Yeah, or something weird. Like I don't know. It didn't really bother me that much, but like. It was just little things like that that kind of took me out of the whole, mm -hmm. you know, retro. And like, whenever Asriel would walk further away on the screen, it would, like, scale weird. This yeah. is kind of what you were talking about earlier, Anton, with Thimbleweed Park. It's like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His sprite, his sprite would scale, like, mm -hmm. smoothly. Like, it would interpolate the pixels yeah. and make him look smooth. Where it, it should have gotten him... He should have gotten really prickly right. as he walked away. I don't know how to describe it, but it was like... It was doing some anti-aliasing effects that you wouldn't see normally in a... Yeah in an old 90s adventure game. Right, because it wasn't running at the native resolution the game was designed at. It was fuzzing things up a little bit. Right. Um, but yeah, like, those are just, like, little tiny, like, you know, yeah. prickly, you know, niggly points. You know, overall, I, I really liked this game. Like, I don't... that Those little things don't really detract from the overall game. It, uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Blade Runner... And then mm. also Beneath a Steel Sky, which was another adventure game that came out from uh, you know early '90s. Yeah, so. I think it. Yeah, it was, it's really what. Oh, I was gonna say it also stylistically overlaps a lot with Cowboy Bebop. I think just as far mm. as being like noir in space. Right. Yeah, Anton, you want to talk about the Cowboy Bebop? Oh thing? yes, yes. So fun fact is that there are Easter egg characters from Cowboy Bebop that randomly appear in the game. <laughs> I don't know why or how to trigger them, but I've seen them on the internet, and it's pretty amusing. Uh, and yeah, the, the I, I do have something specific I want to say. Hmm? I do have something specific I want to say about that when we get into the spoiler okay. area of the podcast. Oh, uh, it's also yeah. So apparently, Spike Spiegel was voiced by the Smash Brothers announcer guy, which is pretty great. <laughs> Xander, Moldus. I didn't know that. That's funny. 
He seems like a cool guy. Like he's doing some goofy stuff the other day. He's like just can, can stuff we recruit him place. for one of our projects? Yes, we should do call call him up for the next podcast. <laughs> Get him to say threepcast. That would be the best. Smash Brothers announcer. Anyway, oh, so back on topic. Sorry. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Gemini Rue, I would say, is a very solid adventure game. Yeah. I would definitely recommend it. I'm. I don't know if I'd put it on like my must playlist. Like, you know, if someone were to come up to me and say, "Hey, what are some good adventure games I should play?" I don't know if I would necessarily mm-hmm. say Gemini mm-hmm. Rue. No, 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 Ellie, Ellie, they come up to you and they're like, I'm about to die and I only have time to play <laughs> so one what? more adventure game. What do I need to play? Okay, if that's the case, then I would not say Gemini Rue. Um, <laughs> but if you're a connoisseur of adventure games and you ostensibly have time to play tons of them, then yeah, this is a really solid game. It's got a great story, you know, good puzzles. Yeah, actually, you know, the story is really, I think, the big thing for me. Like, yeah. that's what really hooked me in the end and that made me think, okay, this was a good game. I'm glad yeah. I spent my time playing this because, you know, it's kind of like whatever for the first third or so of the game, but then, like, the further in you get, the more you identify with the characters mm-hmm. and the more you get, like, mentally, emotionally attached to their plights. And right. then, you know, the game pulls out a couple of big twists towards the end that really suck you in and make you care about what's going on. So mm-hmm. I'd definitely say the story is really what, what sold it for me. It, I agree. It's very engrossing. So. I also like the interface a lot. It's like the fact that they mm. put the inventory on the verb coin was kind of cool. You don't see that a lot. That I did like that. Oh, by, like, by and large, I thought that was a good um, way to streamline everything. There were a couple of times it bugged me where like I wanted to just look at my inventory and see what I had. Mm-hmm. And there's like no way to bring up your inventory without like, you know, being uh, in the yeah. context of some other object on the screen. So I'd have to like click on a door or a person if I just wanted to look at my stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, like, yeah. As far as like streamlining it goes, so that like, it kind of takes away the whole like, oh, what if you need to combine items or you know, that kind of. It, it did streamline it a lot. Yeah. Um, also, that you could push escape to skip walking was very nice. That saved a lot of time, like, in in the Center 7, getting back and forth. Uh, so I didn't actually know that that was a feature. <laughs> I don't know what instruction screen I skipped past, but I, w- I went through the entire game without uh, skipping any walking. Really? Yeah, well, like, like I said, so I don't painful. know what screen I skipped. I just didn't, they never told me that that was a thing until, like, the end of the game, during an action sequence that pops <laughs> up a message on the screen that says, you can no longer use escape to skip walking. And then I just kind of stared at that, and I was like what because <laughs> uh, there's so much walking in this game like around the city and around the complex mm. and, and the other path yeah it's just like yeah <sighs> how many yeah. hours of la's life did he waste not skipping? just walking mm-hmm. well i don't know i mean it was nice extra... to appreciate like to appreciate like the rain effects and listen to the mm. film noir music stylings it's... so i don't know i, I wouldn't say it was necessarily <laughs> wasted time it added Plus, to I was the usually like, right. So anyway, yeah, the, the uh, interface was nice. I also liked all the puzzles where you could like go into the computer database and like look mm. up pieces of information. I guess kind of going with what you were saying earlier about how it's satisfying to like look up, like to like sift through a giant pile of stuff and then like get the specific thing that you need, rather yeah. than the game being so streamlined that it only has the thing you need. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Or like that part where they're like, you know, go to such and such apartment complex. And I'm like, I don't know where that is. But then you can look it up on the computer and like, it's at this address. And you're like, I don't know where that exactly. is. And then you look up a map and you see the labels for the addresses and you see where you're at. And you're like, I'll just follow these directions and you go there. Exactly. It's very, it's a very satisfying feeling to like yeah. have that, take that control and like figure things out on your own. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not overcomplicated to the point where it's frustrating, but it also feel, it feel, makes you feel more awesome because you're not being hand, it's not being handholdy. Right, right. So yeah. Overall, really good game. I, I would recommend it. Anton? Good job, Josh. Good job. <laughs> Alex, do you have any thoughts? Josh, you could have done better. I'm a bit uh, you have a lot of potential, Josh. It's Josh, okay, Josh. You can earn Alex's respect next time. Maybe next so. time, Josh. Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the spoiler-free version of Gemini Roo. Dun, dun, um, dun, so, dun. yeah, we're going to go into spoiler zone territory now. So if you guys don't want to have this game totally spoiled, uh, I would stop listening now. Uh, next month is going to be a review of Simon the Sorcerer. Yes. So I'm if you guys have okay. thoughts, if you guys have thoughts on Simon the Sorcerer, you know what we should do. What? We instead of saying everybody leave because we're about to spoil it, we should say <laughs> we're going to talk about this for five, like seven minutes. So well, skip, scrub seven minutes ahead. Uh, that's what's our work. We want to save people work. Yeah, like I mean, there's not really going to be anything hugely relevant. That's why mm. I'm putting an ending here. So that this people can theoretically a. stop. All Plus, right. that I don't want to have to put a time limit on how long we can talk about spoilery things because that's not fun. <laughs> but that's, that's like double dare, you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> did we use that sound clip before? <laughs> I don't know. Did have we used it before? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, uh, but I'm pretty hyped for Simon the Sorcerer because I didn't properly yeah. play it the first time we had it. I just watched you do it. And it looked really pixel heavy and painful, but I feel like now that I'm a little bit older, I'm ready to take on the challenge. And I thought that it. I was I thought that I was like adequately prepared for this like earlier today because I played Simon the Sorcerer once before and I thought I remembered a lot of it, but um I was over to Elizabeth's earlier today and we were watching a video of Simon the Sorcerer and I was like thinking I don't remember oh, any gosh. of this. <laughs> so I might be in as much trouble as you guys cuz it's been like 10 years since I've played it. So Mm-hmm. It, it's could it's going to be interesting um and actually it was specifically requested by somebody who wrote into the podcast yeah. about a year ago and so we're finally getting around to it and um yeah we want to make sure that everybody feels um like we're listening to them for you know whoever is listening so if you have a suggestion for an adventure game you want us to play write in and let us know and we will work it into our schedule because we want to please the people the people the people. This is a podcast for the people, you guys. It's the people's so, work. The people's work. People's. So anyway, uh, send us if you have thoughts, or you want to send in a little, you know, MP3 review or whatever of Simon the Sorcerer. Send it to podcast at ridgewayfilms.com, and we will either read it if it's text or play it if it's you talking about stuff. And then we will mispronounce so, your name. It'll be great. We will we'll try to not <laughs> mangle up your name. I will personally mispronounce your name for you. <laughs> you can use you get the sound clip of Alex mispronouncing your name and use it in your voice <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Alex. Yeah. Alex, send us money, and I, I will record your voicemail for you. Oh, man. Hey, Alex, look up the Wikipedia article for Gemini Rue and read me the last name of the guy who made it. 
Okay, give me a oh, second. Oh, yes, go for it. This is going to be great. This is for you, Josh. Yeah, this is for you, Josh. <laughs> is it his first name or his last name? His last name. Read me his last name. Uh, where does it say? On the right. This is Josh. Oh. The Joshua Nuremberger. <laughs> that's actually job, that's probably better than I would have done. What, what were you going to do? I, well, I've been trying to think about how I would say his name like ever since I first read it, but I'm like, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> we're sorry. That sounds about right, though. Oh, what a bunch of noobs. They made this game for Linux. Whoa. Alex, Whoa. Linux is an up-and-coming operating system. We and it deserves your respect, man. It will replace Windows in the next... Millennium. See, you see, Linux is like this. It's like this dead rat on a train track. All right, so a, let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to spoiler zone. So you've been warned. All right. Goodbye. Spoilers. All right. So now uh, we are going to spoil welcome, the guts out of Gemini. Welcome, elites. Elite threepers. <laughs> Elite threepers who played the game or don't care about spoilers. Level, yeah, level, yeah if, if you don't level care about listeners. spoilers and you're just like, I don't care, I'm listening on. I respect you. <laughs> just don't care. It just takes guts, you know? <laughs> so, um, let's first of all talk about the ending for Gemini Rue because I feel like that deserves oh. a lot of attention. Yes, yes, yeah, um, so good. The ending so, was really good. Can I so, say something? Okay. Yes, okay, you can go talk for it, Alex. First, I'm sorry. What? Okay. okay uh, so, Anton, I want to ask you. At the point in the story where they reveal who Sayuri is, like, um, in the center seven half of the story, uh, was that a big, like, bombshell, like, mic drop moment for you? Were you like, oh, snap. Or did you had you figured it out before they got man? to that point? So, tell us, tell us. For, so for me, that was... I had kind of gotten an inkling of that just because they had made a big deal about the fact that there was somebody who had escaped from center seven. Mm. Like on the planet, so I was like, okay, I gotta figure out who it is because it's obviously gonna be someone important, and then oh, it'll be it'll be great. And then I I kind of figured out it wasn't the shopkeep guy, so it had <laughs> uh huh. So anyway, so I, I was suspecting it was Sayuri because she's like the most suspicious, most likely character, and then it turned out to be so. But yeah. did you like suspect that Sayuri and Epsilon, uh, what Epsilon Five were the same person? I think so, because also in the on the uh, Charlie path, they were like making a big deal about the fact that she didn't have a name, and they're like, "Oh, you need to pick a uh, name." And I was like, uh, "She's gonna be somebody on the other path." Because I, I was thinking yeah. with the lost side of my brain, where I was like, I was trying to figure out how these two paths were connected. I didn't right. think they were necessarily simultaneous. I See, I think that was it. my big mistake. I assumed from the beginning of my playthrough that these two stories were happening at the same time. And, like, I think that blinded me from a lot of the stuff that you were picking up on was the fact that, like, you know, for mm. me, that was the big, you know, bombshell twist moment when, like, Giselle and uh, Charlie and uh, Epsilon 5 are all getting ready to escape. And she, Giselle's like, I'm going to name you Sayuri. That was when it all clicked for me. It was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. These aren't happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many Because you just kind snap. of assume a bunch of stuff when oh, the game but... starts out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway. That was a really tense scene where they were trying to escape and Giselle gets shot and it's like, oh yeah. no, and then Charlie gets <laughs> captured. So right. the, I, I assumed that it was like the Charlie path took place before the Azrael path. Oh, really? Like that, uh, 
Charlie was still in the base, and that's the brother you run back to rescue. Right. That's another thing is that you assume from the beginning, like, because you start with Ezreal, and he's like, I'm looking for my brother. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, switch to Charlie. So you just kind of ass- The game never spells yeah, it out yeah, who this yeah. guy is. And you just kind of assume just by playing him, oh, this must be his brother that right. I'm trying to rescue. Which is really cleverly later, misleading. It is really clever, cleverly misleading, right? And then later on, when uh, you get to Center 7 with Azrael, and he, uh, Sire asks what's his name, he says Daniel. You're like, wait a minute, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Well, even then, so, yeah, I was, was just like, well, they, they just changed his name, right? Because they erased his yeah, memory. So right. Okay. See, that was the point when I started, like, when they could, when they were bringing up his file and they couldn't find anything uh, on on Azrael's brother, that was when I started to suspect maybe his brother doesn't actually exist. And then like <laughs> it, like I slightly, I figured it out slightly before they dropped that big twist that Azrael was I did his not own know brother until it happened. I, and I was like, oh I was, gosh! I was like, I bet he's gonna be like somehow brainwashed into thinking that he's you know looking for this brother that doesn't exist or something. Mm-hmm. I was sad because Azrael is much more interesting than Charlie. Charlie was like, like plain <laughs> white bread. <laughs> he was like the most boring <laughs> human being imaginable. Azrael had swag and character. Kind of going off of that, um, I, I kind of want to talk about the game's like supposed like uh, moral decisions mm. because there were several moments in the game where it felt like it was presenting you with a moral choice that you had to make. Yeah. But then it's like, no matter what you did in those situations, and I, I don't know this for sure because I only played through the game once. I don't know if there's any actual branching, but it felt like nothing I was doing was changing the way the story shook out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So like, for instance, like there's a point in the center seven half of the story where the game is kind of like, poking you into deciding are you going to side with Balder and you know uh-huh. is he going to be your friend or are you going to go with Epsilon 5 and like I I thought in my mind it was going to be like a big thing like the two brothers in Mist mm-hmm. where you're going to have to pick one or the other right that's how and they then, said like, it when it, came, when, they, when it came down to it like my choice it didn't seem like it made any effect on the, the what happened afterwards yeah so yeah or like uh, when the Boryokudin boss tells you to go get the juice and you yeah. have to decide are you going to destroy the juice or not and the, so I, exactly. I was like ha 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 I'm going to see what happens if I decide to save the juice and then he, right. so he's like I'm going to save the juice and then Kane is like are you really going to do that and he's like of course not yeah that was the other situation I was going to so bring like, the whole you, can't re- you don't really have choices Right. Yeah, fake. But maybe choices. maybe that's what the game was trying to say because the uh... whole like, moral message at the end of the game was that you're you know, the director was kind of saying that your entire life is, like, predetermined from mm-hmm. everything, like, environment and, and upbringing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but then the Which, game also seems like it's kind of undercutting that a little bit, because he's, like, he's already brainwashed Azrael, but then it's, like, it still didn't work, I guess, because he seems like yeah. he still has at least part of his personality. Well, and plus... Plus, that's you know that's the villain of the story speaking. So you're obviously right, not exactly. supposed, you're not to supposed to believe what he's telling you. Uh-huh. Right. I don't know. That was just a random thought. I, I yeah. thought that you know it's not really a new um, philosophical problem. You know the whole nature versus nurture kind of question. But mm-hmm. I thought that the way they presented it was interesting. Yeah. It was kind of a new spin on it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. It's like it's like all good sci-fi. It's like it it pulls apart like a philosophical problem by putting it in a strange context where you can 
it makes sense look to at it from a new angle yeah. it's like a star trek episode exactly yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, the kind of like star episode taking away kirk, your free will do you remember that star trek episode where kirk goes on a big speech about how all human beings are murderers and mm-hmm. how sometimes we just have to decide not to murder today yes that's, that's yeah, kind of the same one. thing. I like the one where they have the American flag <laughs> and they have a strange ritual about it. Uh huh. I like the one with the hippies <laughs> playing the wagon wheel. <laughs> I like how we were just talking about the worst ones and it's great. <laughs> Star Trek is the best show ever and it had no problem. The Star Trek is like the best and the worst of everything. That's why it's great. That's why it's memorable. But yeah, so <laughs> so um so yeah, the, <laughs> Gemini Rue is much more panache than Star Trek the original series. <laughs> yes, definitely. I I thought all the twists worked really well. I thought they yeah. were all nicely executed. Lots of um, nice tense moments. Right. And again, I think that that was helped by the fact that you were in control most of the time, and it wasn't the game hand-holding you mm-hmm. like. I think that benefit that like kind of led a lot to the those tense moments mm-hmm. you were describing. Yeah, um, it ha- the so, game had a very dangerous edge to it a lot. Like when you're in that yeah, hallway like, and the lights go out and that random woman walks up to you and she's like doing the deal in the dark and you're like, "Who is this?" and you never find out. I actually reverted back to my old habits of making multiple saves, like whenever I'd play a Sierra adventure ah. game, and I was never sure if the game was going to kill me randomly. Right. But like this game was very nice about it because it would auto save. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> so can that you was actually, die? it was yeah, you can you die. Can die. Like it was actually fights. kind of unintentionally funny for me because anytime like I was about to go into a dangerous situation, it would pop up a little thing in the corner that said auto saving, mm-hmm. and I always thought that was funny because like, oh man, I'm about to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that dumb part where Asriel's like, "Hang on, I gotta get rid of these guys," and he shoots like all of his bullets. <laughs> Yeah, what was the, what was the deal with that? He's like, he's like, Matthias, I only have eight bullets left. And then like, I got through the sh- I got through the shootout section and with like a couple of shots. Mm-hmm. And then he like runs to the end of the hall and then he proceeds to empty the rest of his gun. He's like, now nah, I'm all out of bullets. Mm-hmm. It's like, what'd you do that for, man? It's to make the rest of the escape more exciting. <laughs> did he just shoot nothing, or did he? He was shooting the he goons, just shot nothing. The mafia goons. Well, but he was just shooting into empty space. Presumably he was firing Maybe at them. Maybe there was a was just... big group of them, and he, he, every shot killed one of them. Oh. He was a okay. crack they... shot, and you just didn't yeah. know it. Um, yeah, probably what the, 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 the programmers are like, we want it to have it so there's no, he doesn't have any bullets at the end. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, well, I'm sure that's, that's exactly what they were going for. Well, no, no, but, but the thing is what they should have done. They should, they should have been like, I only got eight bullets left. So you only do have eight bullets left. But mm-hmm. then if you end up just using like three, then he should look at his gun and be like, oh no, I miscounted. I only had three. <laughs> well, it worked the way they did it. Yeah, it, it was. Natural. that didn't really bother me that much. Yeah, that was a good uh, scene though. It was very tense. I, I do want to say the other twist I liked was uh, revealing that Matthias and Balder were Oh yes, that one definitely. I didn't. I didn't see that one coming. That one kind of surprised me. Yeah, I maybe should have, like, after a certain point. (laughs) But I guess if you don't know that Azrael is Charlie, you have no reason to suspect Matthias. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, I felt like they almost strained it too far. Like, Mm -hmm. it it got to the point where, like, if they had gone any further, it would have gotten silly. Yeah, because like, it's like Azrael's actually Charlie, Matthias is actually Balder. If they'd kept going with that, it would have gotten kind of like stupid. Yeah. Like, oh, Giselle is actually Sayuri. The uh-huh. director is actually Kane. You well, know. The director is actually the shopkeeper. 
That explains <laughs> everything. <laughs> that explains everything. Mm-hmm. It fits. It's like Mission Impossible Scooby Doo masks. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Dun, dun, like dun, they dun. they could they could have gone too far with that. If you if push it too far, it just turns into a dumb. Uh, actually, so are we talking about Balder? They went past the dumb and no, no, they dumb, they, 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 they did it well. It, it it all worked. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying if they had gone too much further, I would have started rolling my eyes. Okay, who is this person actually? There's a one to one mapping between characters of the two paths. <laughs> Almost. Um, speaking of Balder, I do want to bring up something random. Um, the uh, the moment where okay, so Anton and I have this thing. That we like to call terror DOS moments, oh, where yes. when we were when we when we were younger, we used to get really terrified by old DOS games, because like you know they were, the graphics weren't the best, and they would try to make them super realistic, so like, you know, cer- sometimes there'd be things in games that would scare us, just mm-hmm. based on the way they were, you know, presenting things to you, like, you know, you were afraid that some guy was gonna jump out from somewhere and kill you or something, you know, whatever. Yeah. So anytime there's like old graphics involved and something like terrifying happens, it's like brings back all those like childhood fears of like, like, like DOS like games. Like Mystic Towers, where it'd be this quiet music oh, yeah. and you'd be going around in the dark, and then something would jump out at you and it'd play a loud screaming sound, and it was like, nope. That's a good example. Yeah, I was ter- I was too afraid to ever play Mystic Towers. Like it was just a <laughs> Can very. Can we play that game on the podcast? It's not an adventure. No, it's, not it's an adventure like an RPG. Game. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I was I was genuinely terrified of Mystic Towers. Another one is another good example is um, Captain Bible in the oh, Dome of yes. Darkness, yes, which game. would have these. Whenever you'd encounter somebody, what that game. <laughs> whenever Mance. you'd encounter a close-up of somebody, it was like it was always rendered like they tried to go for really realistic, but it didn't work because it was a DOS game, and so like most of the close-ups in the game are really disturbing. Well, it's because sometimes it was really realistic, and it looks like a picture of someone's face. And other mm-hmm. times, there's this man with a really thin cartoon neck and giant eyeballs. And it's like, well, who are you? What are you doing here? It's very surrealist. And you almost. wander around in these dark hallways with quiet music all alone, fighting robots that make loud noises and spit green fireballs at you. And so anyway, yeah, it's it's worse. <laughs> Did you ever play it? That, I night? think that almost counts as an adventure game, and we should play it on the podcast. Yeah, I actually do want to do an episode for that <laughs> next Halloween. Because I think Captain that Bible. This, yeah, Captain Bible. I think that counts as an adventure. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> how so, use those verses pretty troubling. Oh, yeah. Puzzling. Puzzling. Getting back on topic to yes. Gemini Rue. <clears throat> so I, I, creepy DOS moments. So what I what I'm getting to is yes, there is a creepy DOS moment where after you're in the basement and you burn half of Baldur's face off and he's like ah my face and then you run away or whatever you're think when it comes back to that when, with the center seven part of the game you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind Baldur's out there somewhere and he's he's mad and he's, he's going to kill, kill me you. as soon as he finds me so when he, he what happens is you go into your room and then you come back out and he like corners you in the hallway <laughs> and he's just standing there and it's like there's no music it's very quiet and it's like, you know, oh Charlie's gosh. like Baldur and he's just standing there. He's not saying anything. It was so terrifying. Oh, You're like, is he gonna kill I me? Know. Is he gonna try to? Is he just gonna jump and scream at me? Is his face gonna fall off? What's gonna happen? <laughs> is his face. Gonna and he's fall like, off? oh hi. Yeah, it was very. Like, it was genuinely terrifying. It's um, like you so don't yeah. know if he's had his memory wiped or if he's just waiting, waiting for yeah. the right moment to kill you. And it's like, oh no. Yeah, that uh, was that was very effective. This is um, very scary. 
So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we should do a favorite puzzle, worst puzzle. Okay. And uh, Anton, do you want to go first? Okay. So my favorite puzzle was finding uh, Sayuri's lost like ID card because it was very organic, okay. but not like painful. Because it's like mm. she's like, oh, I lost it in one of these dumpsters. So you're like, okay. And you find a dumpster that has water leading out of it, and you follow the water until it gets to a pile of trash. You dig through the trash, and there it is. And it's like, they didn't give you any directions like that you had to do that, but it, it's like so clear and obvious without them having to spell out anything. It was just very beautiful. Right. It was my favorite puzzle. Yeah, I liked that puzzle. Um, I can do my favorite puzzle. Okay. And then circle back around. Yes. My favorite puzzle was getting the uh, gun down the shaft in Center 7. Because uh. it was a it was a long form puzzle where there were a lot of pieces to it, and I thought that it was a good use of like all of the like different rooms and characters that they yeah. introduced so far. And you had to like you had to get Balder to help you. You had to get Epsilon Five or mm-hmm. Sayuri to help you, and it was like you had to use a bunch of different items. And it was like it was one of those very like it's like the uh, the the Booty Island map page on Monkey Island Two, mm-hmm. where it's like a lot of you, moving you pieces, almost, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of stuff. Work so that when you finally get it it's very satisfying that puzzle kind of bothered me because I lost the gun halfway down and I couldn't find it <laughs> it took me so long to finally get it through and then I had to solve a That's stupid funny. like light em up buttons puzzle oh worst. right yeah I forgot about that oh, you want to talk about that it's not my most hated puzzle but it bothered me because I don't remember what I did because I opened all the traps on all the gun slots and then I was like, okay, and then I went, but I couldn't find out where the gun went. I checked all both sides on all the floors, and I checked downstairs, and it wasn't down there in the vent. And I was like, where did it go? And I don't remember where I finally found it, but it took me a long time. And then I finally got it all the way down, and then Giselle was like, hey, I need you to solve this random puzzle that doesn't have anything to do with anything, and it's kind of a filling <laughs> puzzle. I was like, ah. It's like, this is kind of a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a drag. <laughs> it's one of those puzzles. Yeah. It's not hard. It's just tedious. Oh well. Oh, the light, the, the lighting up the light up vents puzzle. Power puzzle. Yeah, this is kind of a side rant. Then, um, like, I didn't think of it till just now. But did it bother you guys in the center seven section of the game that Giselle and Sayuri and all those guys would openly talk about their escape plans just wherever? Uh huh. That was a little goofy. It's, it's like, like it made sense in the maintenance room because there was less security stuff in there, I guess. Yeah, but then like they met in the mess hall where there's like a ton of people sitting around. They're like, "Okay, let's discuss our escape plan with all these cameras and probably uh-huh. microphones around." Right. And it's like, why would you do that? I guess they're assuming they that they're talking quietly. Yeah, dinner. I don't know. I thought that because the mess hall is so quiet and they're they're speaking at normal volume. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of bothered right. me. It's like, aren't you afraid that the director is going to hear you or mm-hmm. what's going on, you guys? Yeah, it's true. Do you want to get caught? I just assumed it was one of those game things where it's like I don't know the details. I'm going to assume they know what they're doing. Right, right. But yeah, um, kind of maybe they found out there are no microphones exactly. in the room that they were talking in. Because they've tried to escape that, many Ellie. times, and through huh? trial and error, they figured out how to do it. Maybe, yeah, maybe they uh, the the idea was that there's so many other people sitting there that they're making enough noise. Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, what was your worst puzzle, Anton? Um, can you, <laughs> we actually discussed this previously. Can you single out a single 
like the worst well, puzzle. Well, there are two main candidates <laughs> of puzzles okay. that bothered me. Alright. Um... Hmm. I can go. I've got, I've got several that go. I want to jump gonna, in. Okay, what was your worst I don't puzzle? think I'm going to be able to r narrow it down to one. <laughs> Let's start with the weather tower. The weather tower is weather probably tower. the worst room. Settings. That was the most problematic section of the game, in my opinion. Yeah, that's probably So let, let me lead you on a little journey of my experience <laughs> with the weather tower. Um, I had gone over all of the rooms several times looking for the... Uh, like any items that are usable mm -hmm. I eventually uh -huh. broke down and went to go get a walkthrough I had to do this a couple of times um, and so the first thing you're supposed to do when you get to the weather tower is you're supposed to go to a locked cabinet now I don't know what was wrong with me if I just wasn't paying enough attention but I didn't even realize this cabinet existed because it was like on the far right side of the screen and I was just like outside of my like like it was in my peripheral vision or something I just didn't notice it was even there mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. like oh okay so I'm going up to this cabinet that I didn't see like in the you know five million times <laughs> I went up to this room and it's locked with a chain and so I'm thinking oh I'll shoot the lock off with my gun mm -hmm. and this lock is like maybe two pixels wide and so I get my gun out and I'm you know gonna you know use it on the lock but because the lock is so small on the screen I'm, it's like I miss I misclick and click on the the cabinet itself, and Azrael's <laughs> like I'm not, not gonna just go around shooting everything I see, and I'm like seriously, dude. <laughs> so after trying several other things on the cabinet, I go back to the walkthrough. And it's like use the gun on the lock. I just tried that, <laughs> and so I go back, and then I get I think there's like an extension cord or something inside. So then I go back downstairs. There's this other puzzle going on downstairs where you're supposed to, like, toss this cord from the ground floor up through an opening up to, like, a yeah. catwalk on the second floor. That and the game, the game, like, because of all the mechanics in this room, the, the way the screen is laid out, the game leads you to believe that you're supposed to toss the cord up through the hole. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like, they give you a crate to stand on and, like... They give you this yeah. cord and this extension cord that, like, it makes you think you're supposed to toss it up. And it, I, like, felt like I was doing something wrong because there was clearly more than enough cord to uh -huh. toss up through this hole. But it was like Azrael was just kind of, like, half-heartedly throwing it up and not really trying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, seriously, man? What did you finally have to do? I don't remember. Eventually, well, I was doing it the wrong way. You have to start at the top. So you're trying to reach uh... a plug that's on the second floor, and you have to start with the extension cord at the top going into the plug on the second floor and then you lower it down through the hole rather oh, than trying right. to toss the cord up yeah and then like in hindsight that makes perfect sense but like the game it was very misleading yeah the way that true. room was laid out it was kind of and, you're fighting um, with the interface a lot on that puzzle it was, it was right so yeah that was probably my worst puzzle but i was also really frustrated by just trying to get sayuri to talk to me initially on uh, barakas mm. because She's standing in this alleyway with all these homeless people who won't talk to you because they're all drugged out because of juice withdrawals. And um, the way that you eventually need, need to get Sayuri to help you for this other puzzle is that you have to go through the conversation tree with Sayuri and like have her not respond to you, but you have to exhaust all these options in the conversation tree to get her to say something. And, like, what I did was I talked to her, and then I, like, tried a couple of options and saw that she wasn't responding, so I assumed that they were all dead ends. And, like, the fact that you had to, like, go through and talk to her on every single thing to get her to say anything was, like, why? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. 
That was that was very frustrating. So that that one didn't trip me up because I guess I'd just gotten through playing 999, which is very punishing if you don't like examine everything <laughs> extremely thoroughly. So I was just kind of in that mindset of just like let's click on absolutely everything just in case. <laughs> so it's like right. Yeah, but I mean, I had the same problem with Day of the Tentacle, I guess. When I was talking to Dr. Fred about signing the contract, like, I didn't oh, realize I was right. supposed to talk. To, like, I didn't click all the options, so I didn't realize that was a thing. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Puzzles like that are kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that kind of tripped me up there was we were talking about the Cowboy Bebop cameos earlier. Oh um, uh, yeah. The idea, the idea is that you need to get somebody small like Sayuri to crawl through a hole to get you some crates on the other side. Oh, remind me, there's something I want to talk about with those crates after <laughs> after we get done ranting. Um, the uh, you're supposed to get Sayuri to crawl through this hole to get you some like stuff out of some crates on the other side of this like you know collapsed beam that you know Azrael can't get through. So his clue is I need to get somebody small to crawl through here for me. So this just so happened to coincide with me wandering around one of the apartment buildings and running into um, Ed from Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> who is this little little girl. I mean, I've never watched Cowboy Bebop. Sorry, Phil. Um, <laughs> but it's like, okay, so there's, I didn't realize it was even a cameo uh, thing. I just thought this was a normal game character. So I talked to this person, this little girl standing in the hallway, and she's like, I'm Ed from Cowboy Bebop. And she didn't say that, but... <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. she says her, her character thing, and it's like, I'm trying to recruit this little girl to come with me <laughs> to crawl through the hole, and it's like, why will you not like open up a conversation yeah. tree? Like, clearly, clearly, this is the answer to this right. puzzle. <laughs> so, and then I like wandered away and came back, and she was gone. And then I was like, well, I was weird. Maybe this isn't important. Mm-hmm. It was so anyway. Yeah, it was it was weird. So the game actively punishes you for not watching Cowboy Bebop. Yes, basically. <laughs> yes, this game, that's 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 a prerequisite for playing this game is watching Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the the woman with the red dress. I don't know who she is either because I haven't seen it. Appears in the room with the crates, and it's like she could probably climb under there. It's like yeah, that would have you know, really thrown bad, me off if I'd run into her. Placement like they should have put her somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So uh, one random thing I do want to bring up is um Anton I don't know if you picked up on this or not when you ask Sayuri to read off the names of the crates to you mm-hmm. and you're looking for the one called Carbon Ray Stabilizer I think it was like CRS and then mm-hmm. it had some numbers after it did you notice the other uh letters and numbers no of the other crates they were all abbreviations for famous adventure games uh, <laughs> oh gosh so it was like there was an MI2 crate for Monkey Island 2 oh no there is a, a PQ2 crate, I, I, I think. I stand for Mission Impossible 2. Well, I mean, well, okay, based on the context, like the other crates, yeah. there was like a Police Quest 2 crate. There was a Leisure Suit Larry 5 <laughs> crate. It was like, oh, gosh. It was, I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah, I did not notice that. The are strong great. with this one. <laughs> so anyway, um, are you ready to rant about your worst puzzle, Anton? I figured it out I, while you were talking. Okay. I had it in mind a minute ago, and then I blanked. It is the okay. it is the stupid puzzle where Balder has you tied up in the basement in the maintenance. Oh room, gosh! And you have to pick okay. up a tiny piece of glass like with your feet or something. And I spent like thirty minutes like it's one room and you're tied up, so it's like there's not that much stuff you can interact with. And I combed the room for right. thirty minutes with the mouse and I couldn't find it. And it was awful. I had to quit and come back the next day. And like, 
yeah, I it's have like you know what you're experience. supposed to do and you can't do it because pixel yes. hunting. And, oh god! Yeah, I have to say the things that I wanted to say about Gemini Rue. <sighs> yes, what? Alex, go for it. What is it? I think it's interesting that on the cover art that they use mm. on the Wikipedia page and on Steam and stuff, they have both Charlie and the other main character guy. I can't think of his As name. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, they make them not look like the same person. Mm. They have different hairdos and they have different heights. But it's not that they didn't have different heights, they just made Charlie small, smaller. Mm-hmm. So I like right. how in the advertisement they're trying to perpetuate this idea that he's not actually... Yeah, yeah. like that was person. another good way to mislead everybody was that they show you the two characters on the front of the box. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a box, it's just down. Well, game. okay, fine, the cover art. Yeah. Thank you. I thought that that was a nice touch also. It's true. Um, Although the cover art is slightly inconsistent with like the character portraits in the game. Yeah. But, uh, I, did like the, I did like the comic book close-ups. I like that comic book yeah, style I did they too. were going for. It was pretty cool. I thought that was cool. I think um, Wajidai does that in all their games. Ah, okay. Little character portraits that are kind of cool. Yeah, I did. You were talking about how you had to take a break and come back to uh, mm-hmm. to the game later. One thing I did like about the way the game design was laid out is, and I'm seeing this a lot in adventure games now, where it's like with Broken Age, where you've got two totally oh, separate yeah. stories. And I think that that's a, bleh, that's always really effective because it's like if you get mentally fatigued with one story, you can always switch to the other one and like take a break, but keep playing the game. Yeah. So it's like normally in adventure games you get stuck and then you just kind of like throw up your hands and go do something else. But with mm-hmm. this it's like, well, I'm kind of stuck with this character, so I think I'll switch for a while and play this other character and then you yeah. solve some puzzles and then come back and you feel refreshed and you like feel ready to mm-hmm. go on with the other path. Right. That is true. And it's not like they have the tentacle where it's like you can trade items back and forth, so it's basically all the same giant puzzle tree. It's like right, there're actually right. two distinct paths and it's like it gives you kind of a break, like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. It's it's pretty cool. Do they stay separate yeah. on Broken Age like that? Uh, well, I I mean, we're in spoiler zone territory uh, for Gemini Rue, but not for but we're Broken not in spoiler zone territory for Broken Age. So I can't say. Okay, that's fair. Broken Age episode coming eventually. Eventually, someday. Yes, in in an age. Guys, tell us what games we should play, because we've only got about four or five planned. Yes, but not Discworld. Not dis. Oh, gosh. What's wrong no, with not Discworld? Discworld. <laughs> no, not, not today. Not today, some other day. No, Discworld, has... Discworld? Oh, yeah. All right. Discworld. Discworld has problems. Yes. We will talk about them. <laughs> we will do a Discworld episode, and it, someday, it will be someday. painful. <laughs> um, I'll cry manly tears. So, uh, Alex, did you have any other thoughts on the game since you were kind of talking about that? Uh, I just kind of noticed that it seems like they're they're doing a good job of keeping the mystery of the advertisement. Yeah. yeah so some games and movies will have their twists in the trailer. <laughs> like Terminator? Yeah, like the Terminator and the new Terminator. But yeah. I'm not going to say them in case you <laughs> haven't seen those. Because <laughs> I, respect, I respect spoilers, you know. Mm-hmm. Respect Nuckies. I don't respect spoilers. I respect the people who have not been spoiled. Exactly. Don't don't don't, don't do it, man. Don't watch. Tri- uh, I somehow I somehow miraculously got to Terminator Two, watching it for the first time this year, after the movie's been out for like, you know, almost twenty five years, 
and I had not had the twist of Terminator 2 spoiled for me somehow. It's great. It's like, how did I do that? <laughs> well, it's like a lot of things I don't get spoiled for me because I don't care about them until they're not relevant anymore. So I avoid all spoilers that way. It's like Bioshock. It's like I knew nothing about sense. it while going into it because I didn't care until I ter- played it earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. So... Anyway, uh, I think that's it. I, I mean, I feel like I ranted about all the puzzles that I, you know, had trouble with. Yeah. And talked about the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we were ranting about the puzzles, but, like, it was, you know... A no, really overall, it was really solid. solid. Overall, like, I mean, it kind of sounds schizophrenic because we were talking about how we liked all the puzzle design and then we are ranting about these puzzles. Mm-hmm. These were just kind of isolated incidents. Yeah. Uh, no, by I mean, and large, I thought the puzzle puzzle design was really nicely like like you said anton organic yeah and given and how very, organic like, the puzzles were designed it's amazing to me that it wasn't more frustrating it's like most hmm. of the puzzles were felt very nice it's like where you had the right. part where you had to sneak into the guy's apartment and then like get into his computer and then get back out again to like getting shot it's like that was that it was it was organic and it didn't feel terrible even though it was like when you died, when you died, it felt like you actually messed up. It was and like feel like why did? Yeah, it was like that was fair. That was fair. I was like, I'll open yeah. the door. Hello, and then I got shot. And I was like, oh, yeah. I guess you I could have seen dummy. that coming. Yeah, you big dummer. <laughs> you big dummy. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Like this it's a is great one game. of my favorite favorite games I've played recently. It's Better really good. Bioshock. It has a great. No, well, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> out of just out of just atmosphere and uh like yeah i i really enjoyed the whole yeah. vibe that the game had definitely had really strong atmosphere like i like that a lot like i'm i'm a sucker for like atmosphere at, atmosphere and like noir and space and cyberpunk and all of that so right it did all of that very well yes so yeah all around that. solid game um, 10 out of I, 10 I really would any, play again. 10 out of 10 would play again, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have any other closing thoughts. Yeah. If you haven't played game. it, play it or else. It was, a good, it was a good choice, Anton. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just full so, of good ideas. Good choice. Sir. So, like I said earlier, uh, next month's episode is going to be Simon the Sorcerer. Yes, and that was requested. Like I said, I, this is all stuff I've said earlier. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so. Yes, and it will yeah. be great. It's available on all sorts of platforms, so you should get That's it right, on one yeah. of them. Good old games, Steam. Well, I don't know about Steam, but good old games. It's on mobile platforms as of recently. I don't know how you would play Simon the Sorcerer on your phone. Carefully. <laughs> We, we've been we've been whining about Jim and I were having a little bit of pixel hunting in it. Simon the Sorcerer has a ton of yeah. pixel hunting. Yeah, I'm so looking it, forward to taking a crack at it. Though. Just trying to click on something really. Small it's like they make really important hotspots like very very small. So you have to pick pour over every screen with a fine tooth comb, or you're going to miss something crucial and it's going to ruin your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like that it's coming. It's coming. Here it comes. Is that you have to have it? It's like at the first. Well, so Space Quest games are bad because, well, <laughs> they're painful because... <laughs> we're getting out, we're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just pixel pixel hunting is bad, and then it gets worse in games like Space Quest, where it, you, can, you can miss it, and they'll just let you go, and you can't go back for it. It's like Simon the Sorcerer, at least, doesn't let you, like, leave stuff behind that's important. Right, mm-hmm. Simon the Sorcerer, like, design-wise, is more, is more in the LucasArts yeah. camp, where you can't mess up, and, like, the game is super forgiving. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're gonna it's make like, it like pixel hunting painful, at least at least design it like LucasArts, where you know you have you're missing something and you can go back and get it. Right. So was Gemini yeah. Rue a game? That was. Oh yeah, uh, it was too. It was it was fairly designed. I would totally say it's more in the LucasArts camp mm-hmm. than the Sierra camp because even though you could die, like it was very forgiving and it warned you way in advance and you kind of felt like you were walking into danger, and yeah. like. Just in like the character designs seemed Lucas artsy and mm-hmm. um, the game had more of a, like thro- a serious, like less cartoony aesthetic though, which I kind of associate more with Sierra. Mm-hmm. That's but it's true. Like, Design wise, yeah. it was very Lucas Arts. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. It's a little bit of both, depending yeah. on what you were looking for. It's it's pretty solid, all around. Solid game all around. Good job, Josh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So next next month's episode is going to be Simon the Sorcerer. Um, like I said, I played it once before. Anton's never played it. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know we'll see who else we can get to be miserable with us and play yes. this game. Can again. we make Phil do it? Time will tell. So should be a good time. Yeah. Um, like I said, send in your uh, thoughts and reviews and stuff if you want to talk to us about Simon the Sorcerer we'll play back your feedback and talk about it yes so it'll be great it'll be great fun times all around exactly it'll be um, great but will it be do we bro great <gasps> oh that's all I got alright <laughs> <laughs> so okay we will uh, see you guys next time. Farewell. Thank you for thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Hey, streepers, want some more? <laughs> Go to richjoyfilms.com. Well, if you have a better name for our listeners than Threepers, <laughs> please 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 send help. <laughs> <laughs> it took me all of two seconds to come up with this name. Show the list. I feel like we need an alternate podcast that's like. Named after Seep Good Mancomb called Seepcast. Seepcast, yes. Where we talk about all the things that we couldn't talk about on Threepcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the after party podcast where it's like <laughs> it's after just random rambling. Party, we just random rambling. That's Seepcast. Okay, good. I think this is a great idea and we should totally do it. Stay tuned no, no, for thanks. Seepcast, probably. <laughs> Um, yeah, we could do that. Just like end it, and then are we are we are we seeping over into seepcast right now? I think we I are. Like we, should, we keep trying to end. Seep, three first leave cast before you're caught one. in the vortex. <laughs> all right, we should end. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. Okay. So Farewell. we'll see you guys next time with Simon the Sorcerer. Yeah. Bye. 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 This homework is really bugging me. I think I'll find the dog and put it in the dryer again. So that's where you are. What's this? Ye oldie spell bookie. What a load of old rubbish.
Okay, Gobos. This magic paper brings food. I thought I heard something. Alizigi. Alizagi. Alizongi. Alizongi. Lucky this is just a dream or I'd be really worried. <laughs> 